All right, are you ready? Yes. All right, First Kings chapter 21, the end of the chapter, we're going to talk about the most evil man who ever walked on the earth. Now, when you think about, you run names through your head, you think about people like Hitler or Stalin or Pol Pot, or we've all got lists probably that we could come up with, but God said there was nobody ever to live like King Ahab. He invented ways of doing evil. He was more evil than all of the kings who came before him. Now that's putting him in a pretty ex exclusive league. Wouldn't you agree with that? He is evil to the core. Now see, we like a story like this because it makes us look good, right? Makes us look good. I'm not evil to the core. I'm just evil. As if somehow that is an improvement, right? See, Isaiah says that all of our righteous deeds are filthy rags in God's sight. So I want you to take a minute on your best moment. Those 30 seconds sometime this month when your heart was right, your head was right, your mind was clear and clean, when all your motives were pure, that 30 seconds... When you had that 30 seconds of perfection, that was still worthless in God's eyes because we are all broken, sinful people. That's why Jesus came. That's why we need the blood of Jesus, right? So I'm going to show you how the blood of Jesus impacts on the most evil man on earth. That's what this story in 1 Kings 21 is all about. But, but I'm going to ask a question first, and you don't have to raise your hand. Some people did last night, and it, it's okay. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a smoke shop, but I was just curious what is actually in a smoke shop. So I stopped the other day and, and, and went in, and it was full of dresses. And I'm kind of looking around, and I'm like, well, it wasn't what I expected. And they said, oh, there's uh, been a change of ownership, and, you know, now it's a, a dress shop. And I said, I get it, clothes but no cigars. <laughs> okay, they just got it. They just got it in the back. All right. Some of you online, welcome. We're glad you're there. Um, if you go on the Israel and Jordan trips, you get this kind of quality every morning on the bus. Every single morning. Um, there's a story this week out of Utah about two guys that were out hunting and they got lost. And they eventually got found, but when they found them, this is what they said. They said, we knew that our friends would be looking for us and that they would look until they found us profoundly impacted my thinking because I thought, what does the world think about us? And what are we thinking about as a church? Are we thinking about that person's lost? I got to figure out. I got to pray out. I got to do whatever I can to figure out how to get that person saved because if the story of the Bible is true, which we all believe it is, heaven and hell are real. And right now that person who's evil is going to hell. And the truth is, I'm evil too. And you're evil. But the only reason we're going to heaven is not because we've become good, but because we've accepted the one who was great on our behalf. Amen. That's what makes all the difference. See, if you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm evil, 
That's why I need a Savior. That's why I'm so grateful I have Jesus. It's not real good for your self-esteem, perhaps, to wake up and say, I'm evil. But it puts life in true perspective. And I wonder, church, if we're really out there and we are consumed with the fact, my neighbor's going to hell. My friends are going to hell. Some of my coworkers are going to hell. And i got to figure out, it's up to them and Jesus, but am I consumed with the fact? Do they know that we care enough that we're at least out there trying and inviting and looking? I think that's an interesting question. And I pose that question in light of this passage because as evil as Ahab was, you're going to be amazed at how the story ends. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 21. All right. So here's what's happened. King Ahab owns most of central Israel. And he... He's got palaces, and he's got food, and he's got women. He's got it, okay? But he doesn't have everything. And there's a guy named Naboth who's got a vineyard, and he wants his vineyard. So Ahab goes over, tries to buy it. Naboth says, look, this is my family's farm. No, you're not buying my family's farm. His wife Jezebel said, what are you doing negotiating with him? Kill him. So they do. They trump up charges, have him arrested, get people to lie against him. And they kill him. And he steals the guy's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go down to meet Ahab, the king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard. Notice it didn't change just because he stole it. Where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes, yours. Can you go back to that one just for a minute, Mike? Yeah, maybe that one, you want to get a snapshot of that, put that on your fridge. That would be a nice verse to have on your refrigerator. Okay, we'll go ahead. Uh, Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemies. I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I am going to bring disaster upon you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam and Nebat, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin as well. And also concerning Jezebel, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds will feed on those who die in the country. There's never been anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner, going after idols, even idols, and things like the Amorites, which the Lord ran out of the land. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day. But I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. Now you can be seated. 
Well, that last sentence seems strange, doesn't it? Well, the truth is nothing's going to change when his son takes over. There's a brief moment of repentance here that we're going to grab a hold of. But let's dig into this. All right, so what, what is the picture here? The picture is that God is aware of all that's going on and that God measures evil. Now, why would we think he doesn't? He's God, right? He's infinite. He knows all things. God has a leisure book, and he's keeping track of all of our evil. How do I know that? Because he says, I got Ahab's book, and nobody has come close to Ahab. He is the king of evil. He's invented ways of doing evil and led all of my people to evil. Interestingly, there's two things that Ahab really did. He created false gods. Now, keep in mind, you don't have to build a little statue to have a false god. You might have driven here in a false god. You might live in a false god. You might be wearing false gods. You might have false gods sitting around in a bank. There's, there's a lot of ways to have false gods, okay? And the other thing has to do with children. They created these false gods, and then they sacrificed their children to those gods. Remember when it didn't rain? And I told you horrific stories about how they would sacrifice in horrible, inhumane ways. They would kill their children. Joaquin Phoenix, if you watched the Oscars, well, if you did watch the Oscars, I'm sorry. Um, for a number of reasons. Uh, but I went back after listening to the news. I went back and I read Joaquin Phoenix's speech. By the way, the movie of the year, they got it wrong again. Um, the movie of the year was Harriet. Harriet should have won everything. Best picture, best actress, best costumes. If you haven't seen Harriet, you need to, to rent it and see it. Uh, it is an incredible story of faith and deliverance and courage during the Civil War and Harriet Tubman delivering slaves into freedom in the North. It is an incredible, incredible movie. And, you know, I didn't get anything. But anyway, um, I'm just, that's free. You know, you don't have to pay for that. But Joaquin Phoenix gets up and goes on this rant and... <laughs> Again, I'm thinking in my head, this, this passage, I'm thinking about, okay, they invent ways of doing evil. Only in Hollywood do they come up with stuff like, well, in New York, you know, that you can't have a supersized soda. Uh, you must guard your heart against straws because of the dangers of straws. With all that's going on in our world, this is what we're worried about, a supersized Diet Coke and a straw. These are the kind of things they get worked up about. But Joaquin Phoenix in his speech said, I mean, with tears in his eyes, he talks about the horrors of artificially inseminating a cow and then stealing the calf when the calf is born and then taking the mother's milk and putting it in your coffee. And the room exploded with cheers that the man was so compassionate. There's a video online of him rescuing a calf. You're welcome to look it up. I don't know why you would, but you're welcome to. Every one of those people there, including Joaquin Phoenix, are pro-abortion. And you're yelling at me because I put cream in my coffee, and yet you're okay with killing children. What, what has happened? And if you were to ask them, they would tell you they are the moral high ground because they care about those cows. 
Or they care about recycling. See, when people start, when they start talking about morality, you need to ask them to define it because when you and I think morality, we think Ten Commandments. When they think morality, it's something they've created. Do you know in Colorado this, this last week, they passed a law that even if the child, if it's an aborted child, and the child is born alive, both the mother and the doctor have a right to kill the child. Look it up. Dr. Dobson speaks on it. Where I'm from, that's called murder. There's no getting around that. There is no way. See, nobody's arguing anymore about, well, it's not a baby. It's just a blob of tissue. No, now we've got a live baby laying on a table. So if you don't want the baby, it's okay to kill it. But we shed tears over cows. All right? Have I made my point? Ahab. Evil. You go back... Just a couple chapters, 1 Kings 14, 9. He says, you've done more evil than all who lived before you. How would you like to have that on your gravestone? You have made for yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You've aroused my anger and you've turned your back on me. Don't miss that last part. Because you can't be faithful to false idols without first turning your back on the real God. So whatever your idol might be, Jesus is going to lose out. That's how you measure where your idols are. When you look at where you spend your money, you spend your time, you spend your energy. When you look at all of that and you see where is that going? Where's my money go? Where's my time go? Where does my effort go? Wherever that is, if it's not Jesus, then that's your idol. And we've all got them. But when children become indispensable, that's when God's anger is totally aroused. And that's when God flips out on Ahab and on Jezebel. So he waits until this horrible thing has happened and then Elijah shows back up. And here's what I want to show you. God is always sovereign. From the time of Adam, people have thought that they can sin and God won't see it. Now, I think in our head we know better than that, but why is Adam hiding? After he sins, he goes into hiding like God can't find you. After we sin, we, we pretend that that never happened, that God wouldn't see that. God is omniscient. He sees all things. He knows all things. So we might as well be upfront and honest with him, but we usually don't. And so here comes Elijah. And Ahab says, oh, you evil man, my troubler, my enemy, you found me. And Elijah said, you bet I found you. You see, even after all the miracles that Elijah has done in front of Ahab, remember, remember the, the false prophets back in chapter 18? God, Elijah prays, fire falls from heaven, the whole altar is consumed, the dirt, the stones, the water, it's all consumed. Uh, 850 false prophets are killed. Miracle after miracle has been performed in front of King Ahab's eyes. And he still doesn't get it that there is a real God that is running the show. And every time Elijah needs to be standing in front of King Ahab, there he is. God is aware of what's going on. And this is the incredible thing. He chooses to love us anyway. Jake Fromm's quarterback for uh, the University of Georgia Bulldogs. Great, great season, incredible young man. And they asked him, they said, Jake, what are your plans? Thinking he was going to talk about, you know, the NFL or, 
or whatever. And he said, I have one plan in my life, and it's to win as many people to Jesus Christ as I possibly can. Now, if you want to cut a sports interview short, you give an answer like that. Well, Jake, thank you, and back to you, Bob. But I love it when these young guys have the courage to come out and say, listen, this is my mission. I'm here to help my teammates find Jesus. Football is a platform. My job is a platform. But it's to let people know that God is aware of all that you are and all that you've done and all that you've thought, and yet He still loves you. How do you know that? Because Elijah's still standing there. Maybe better, Ahab's still standing there. Now, it's not a pretty proclamation. Let me explain to you what's going to happen to you, Ahab. And how he dies is great, and you can read more about that. We'll get into that uh, later on. Um, but Ahab is still there. So the prophet is still talking to him. He's still got this opportunity. And that's where we get to the best part of this, is that God is still gracious. Now... Ahab rules Israel for 40, 50 years. I don't remember the exact number. You can look it up. All these years, he's evil, 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 more evil, more evil, horrible, evil. And for whatever reason, on this day, he breaks. On this day, when Elijah confronts him, he breaks and he repents. And he starts going around humbly, meekly, it says. He's saying, wow, I really did mess up. I really am evil. I shouldn't have done all this. Now, Elijah, by this point, I'm sure, is just over Ahab. But God says to Elijah, Elijah, did you see Ahab? Did you see that he's repented? Did you see that he's changed? Now, if I'm Elijah, I'm probably arguing. I'm probably saying... Don't you remember all this guy's done, all the kids he's killed? Don't you remember all the horrible things he's done for Israel and how he led them away from you? And now, now, after all this stuff I've done, he chased me all over the place wanting to kill me. And now you want to be gracious to him? Can I tell you that the true nature of God is to be gracious to all of us? You have to decide to reject Jesus to step out of His grace. You're all here today, whether you deserve to be or not. I'm standing up here today, whether I deserve to be or not, because God is gracious. In fact, Isaiah 30, verse 18 said, God longs to be gracious to His people. So what's missing? Why doesn't He then? Why doesn't He just be gracious and let everybody into heaven? Because there's still that point where you and I have to repent. Where you and I have to humble ourselves and say, I have done wrong. I am evil. Even on my best day, that best moment, that best hour when I had it all together, that still wasn't right. And I still need a Savior. Sometimes we think we're all alone. That's where Elijah found himself. He found himself in a desert alone. He found himself in a cave alone. And remember what God told him? You are not alone. I've still got 7,000 people who have not broken, their, who have not bowed to these false gods. This last week in Brazil, Brazil is a very difficult place for the gospel right now. 
uh, tremendous gangs and drugs. And in fact, Pastor Ben Brown's son lives in the middle of one of those barrios and is, is trying to, to reach people and plant church. And uh, really, really, it is, it is tough, tough, tough down in, down in that region. But they had a youth rally in Rio in a soccer stadium, and 140,000 teenagers came to celebrate Jesus Christ. So it is a reminder, it is a reminder when you've got all this sniping in your ear, and there's no God, there's, the Bible's not true, it's always been full of airs. Let me remind you, and you hear me do this every week, I stand up here because I believe every word in the book is true. Don't bother asking me, do you believe in Noah's flood? Do you believe in Samson? Do you believe in the virgin birth? Because I believe all of it. All right? I believe it exactly the way it's said. And here's my statement that you need to always grab. Archaeology has uncovered hundreds of millions of things. Not one thing they've ever turned over has disproved a Bible verse. Now... We've proved thousands of verses. No, we haven't proved them all, but we've never found... Wouldn't you think we would find one thing that says, nope, nope, look, that verse is wrong? Never have. Let me just show you this one, all right? This is, uh, this is King Shalmaneser III. All right, you probably remember him. Um, Shalmaneser III was king of Assyria. This is in modern Iraq. He was king in Assyria 2,900 years ago. He was a contemporary of a guy named Ahab. And we found a stone. It's called the, the Kirk Stone. And you can't really see the lines, but it's written all, all down on it. It's got a picture of the king, and then it's got the story. And just in case you don't read ancient Assyrian, I'll translate it for you. It said, King Ahab sent to war against the people of Assyria 2,000 chariots and 10,000 warriors. Now, what's the significance? Ahab was real. Israel was real. Because there's still people running around saying, ah, Israel, King David, King Solomon. It's amazing the stuff that God has left. So if what you have in your Bible is not enough, here it is in stone for you to confirm the fact that at the same time, the same place, there was a guy named Ahab and he was living in Samaria. And we have that story right here in front of us. Now look, I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether you're lost and you need to be saved. You're saved and you need to be out there looking for some of your friends that are lost, some of your family members that are lost. I don't know where all of you are. We've got three options and you can do all three. You need to pray, somebody to pray for you. You need to accept Jesus Christ. Come over here. Last night we had three teenagers that were baptized. There wasn't a dry eye in this room. It was very, very powerful. If you're a first-time guest, out to the Welcome Center, stop out there, and we've got gifts for you. Uh, you can choose your own present. Um, but I want to finish with this story. In Venezuela, about 20 years ago, Venezuela was the fifth strongest economy on the planet. Third largest oil reserves in the world. Today, absolute horror. There's no food. There's no, well, there's no anything. It is, the, the whole country is in absolute destruction. Here's a picture of Venezuelan money. It's very beautiful. Uh, you know what they do with Venezuelan money? 
They made crafts out of it. Because it would take a wheelbarrow of it to get a quarter. Because it's worth nothing. So I ask you this. When you look at all that you have, when you look at your bank account, your 401k, and your car, and your truck, and your boat, and your house, and whatever else, um, how much do you really have? Because every time one of these big-time people die, we have this same conversation. People say, well, how much money did he leave? And I give you the same answer every time. All of it. He left all of it. So the only thing matters is what we have invested into the future into the kingdom of God, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and what have I done to advance the kingdom? Because once you leave this world, there's no coming back. So this world, I have a whole stack of Venezuelan money. Maybe someday the American dollar will look like that. But at some point when you step into eternity, all of that stuff that you thought was wealth will be worthless. And what will matter is the gracious relationship you have with Jesus Christ.